0: Well, hey, good morning. My name is Rich, and I am the campus pastor here. I get the joy of just leading and, and uh, pastoring our church. Huge blessing. We're super glad to have you out today, and I've uh, just been praying that God's going to bless you, move in your life today, encourage you, and that you will encounter this Jesus that we're singing about, because He is good. Amen? And He's a God that brings freedom. He brings joy. And uh, he's he's just so good. Um, Just a couple of things to let you know about before we... uh, We're going to jump into our uh, morning's sermon here, a new series in just a second. But uh, two things to let you know about. Tonight, or actually more this afternoon, we're having a big youth party at the BP picnic area. And so all middle schoolers and high schoolers are invited to be a part of this. And it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be games. There's going to be a bonfire. There's going to be lots of food. It's going to be really sweet. If you've ever been to the BP picnic area... It's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Lots of, lots of cool stuff to do there. So if you are going, um, we're going to meet here at 3.30. And uh, you need to meet here to kind of know where to go and be let in out at BP. So, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's going to be uh, from about 4 to about 7 o'clock-ish. And so we would love to have all the middle school and high schoolers out at that. And then on July 18th, here at the, the, the facility, there's going to be a women's prayer night. That's going to be at 6 o'clock, and all the ladies are going to be, are invited to be a part of that. It's just going to be a great opportunity to not only connect in the middle of the summer, but also a great chance for you to connect with some other ladies and just be encouraged and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be good, July 18th. Awesome. Um, really good to have you all, like I said. And uh, so, so we're starting a new series today that's going to go all summer long called Flourish. And I don't know what you think of when you think of the word flourish. Maybe some of you think of your, your gardens and all the plants growing. Maybe some of you, the last thing that you think of is your garden. Because <laughs> your garden's doing anything but flourishing. But God is, has, has called us to be people that flourish in, our, in life and flourish in our faith. Um, this last week, Becky and I were spoiled rotten. Uh, there was a, a, a group of people that offered to pay all the all the pastors that are part of our CTK network there's probably about um, it, it changes all the time but there's probably anywhere from from uh, somewhere around 10 to 12 pastors and they offered to pay all the pastors and their spouses to go on a, a spiritual enrichment retreat and so, <laughs> Uh, We were given four different options. One of the options was way over in Ohio. Uh, Another option was in Colorado. And then there was two options to go to in uh, California. Uh, Most of the the retreats were kind of centered around uh, just helping pastors make sure that they don't burn out and just restoration and all this kind of stuff. It was a huge blessing. Uh, So Becky and I went through all the different, there was four different options like I said. And we went through all the different options and read what they were all about. And the one in Northern California really grabbed our attention because it was called A Marriage Adventure. So it was all about um, enriching your marriage. And so we signed up for this retreat. And like I said, um, we were spoiled rotten. Being a pastor does have its moments that are are hard, but it does have some perks. This last week was one of those perks. So Becky and I have never done anything like this in our lives. We've never been on a a week-long marriage retreat. But let me just, uh, I'm just going to rub it in a little bit this morning, if that's okay. (laughs) So it was held in this lodge that was situated kind of on the border of California and Oregon. I don't know if you've ever heard of the the Marble Mountains. Uh, Where the lodge was situated was about half an hour from the place where the iconic Bigfoot photo was taken. You know the photo I'm talking about where Bigfoot's like walking through, (laughs) kind of like that. Yeah, I've been practicing all week. But it was taken about, it's about half an hour from there, so it's kind of like in the middle of nowhere. And in the middle of nowhere, just imagine yourself, you're driving down this very isolated road. It's basically like, a, you know, some of these roads, if you're going to drive to like a, the foot of some of these hiking trails around here, you have these like cement roads. It's just, there's no lines. It's just a little road weaving up through the mountains. That's the, what this road is. So just imagine you're driving down this road to this little valley, and uh, all of a sudden you come on this big lodge. And this lodge was... Uh, Something else. It had just. I mean, it was, it was. There was eight other couples there. We basically had our own like world-class chef all week long, that was making. I mean, it was, it was outstanding. And I've eaten a lot of salmon in my life. I grew up on the coast and and uh, um, had all kinds of salmon. And I had probably the best salmon meal I've ever had in my life. It, I mean, it was it was crazy. It was like. Our bedroom, king size bed. Uh, we did all kinds of activities. There was wilderness adventure at every turn. Uh, we went ATVing up in the mountains one morning. Uh, another day, it was like archery. Another day, I don't know if you, have any of you ever heard of JH Ranch? Apparently, okay, so we kind of felt like we went into this like Alabama vortex in Northern California. Because no kidding, everybody there was from from Alabama, um, except for there was one couple from Georgia, but everybody else was from Alabama. So if I say y- if I say a y'all this morning, that's that's why, okay? <laughs> but it was all all these people from Alabama, and it kind of connected to this other ranch, this other place called Jade Ranch, which was also we went there for a day, and it was also like probably 80% Alabama. Um, which was, I mean, we were just like smothering Southern hospitality on top of all the other awesome stuff that was happening. But in the mornings, Becky and I, along with, with eight other couples, would have these like marriage, uh, not really classes, more like uh, marriage talks, I guess, marriage chit-chats. And the couple that was doing these was so awesome. I mean, they're just everything was real class. Aaron Rodgers, quarterback Aaron Rodgers, actually had this couple lined up to do his pre-marriage counseling until he split up from his fiance. But that's just the caliber. Everything was like top caliber, top notch. It was, it was amazing. And this trip really had just one big overarching goal, and that goal all had to do with this word that our, our series is about um, this summer. The goal of the retreat was to get our marriage to the place where it was just, where it's, where it's flourishing. And today, we're, we're, as we're starting this new sermon series, the goal of this sermon series that we're doing this summer is to get you to a place where you are flourishing, where you can look at your life and go, yes, I am flourishing. And this last, last uh, week, as Becky and I were out there doing the, our, our thing, there's a couple things that I noticed That I want to just talk a little bit about this morning, and we're going to bring in a lot of scripture here in a second. But a couple things that I noticed when it comes to flourishing: first thing is this. We were created to be flourishing. All of us in this room, you were created to flourish. It doesn't matter if we are talking about a marriage. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a church. It doesn't matter if we're talking about your business, your place of employment. It doesn't matter if we're if we're talking about our kids. we were created to flourish and i think it's probably safe to say that that every single one of us in this room wants to flourish i don't know anybody that would say you know what i just want my life to i want to be about withering you know i just want to i just want to be the opposite of flourish i want to languish in life no there's there's many many texts in the bible that that speak to this idea that we are created by god to flourish if you go all the way back to the very beginning Genesis 1 beginning. God creates the heavens and the earth, stars, moon, plants, animals, trees, everything. Then he creates uh, mankind. And what does he say? He, it, scripture says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. This this is the blessing of God on humanity. And part of that blessing is that you and me would flourish. I mean, you cannot read that passage that we just read and not think of the word flourish. It's all about flourishing. Created to flourish. Then you go over in, in, in Psalm chapter one at the very beginning of this incredible book, David describes what it looks like to be flourishing. In Psalm 1 verse 1, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And here's the picture of flourishing that happens when you make your life about God in His way. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So when you follow God's way, the, the, the way that you were created to live, and you, you tune out the world's way, according to the scripture here, you become what God created you to be. You become somebody that's flourishing. You're like a tree that's, that's planted, like one of those. You, you look out, you go out today, and you see all these big cottonwood trees that are planted by the Nooksack River. You're just growing. You're strong. Your roots are planted deep. You're flourishing. There's enough cotton falling off your branches to give everybody with allergies The sniffles, it's just, you're flourishing. God created you to flourish. And if there was ever any question as to God's intention, Jesus comes along. He, he sees uh, humanity withering under the weight of sin for centuries, and he comes, and he makes it really clear that he's coming on a mission. He's coming to set things right, and he's coming to get us into a place of flourishing. And what does he say this well-known verse in the Bible, my favorite verse in the entire Bible? He says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, and not just life. That you would have life to the full abundant life i love how the new living translation of the bible um, it puts john 10 just a little bit differently but in a really good way it says jesus is saying my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life that's what he came to do that is what he came to do if you were to imagine a garden that is flourishing, that's got big strawberries and tomatoes and cucumbers and all kinds of just greenery everywhere. And then you were to imagine on the opposite side, a garden that's just brown. It's withering. The, the, the tomatoes are all green and, and just the, the strawberries got mold. And Jesus came to give us this garden. He came to give us this life. Life and life to the full. But what, what exactly does it mean to flourish? You know, does flourishing mean that you're just rich and you can, you can do whatever the heck you want? Does flourishing mean that you've got the big house and the big truck and the big, all, all the best toys? Does flourishing mean that you've gone to college and you, just, you, have, everything, you have a good-paying job and a bunch of money saved up for retirement? Does it mean that you live in a safe, comfortable home? Does it mean that you are healthy and you don't get sick? What does it mean to flourish? What does it really mean? Over the past uh, few decades... Um, researchers in human behavior and psychology have done a lot of work um, helping people and um, even nations understand what it means to flourish. And maybe you've seen these reports that come out every, every now and then where they, they they ask a bunch of questions that have to do with flourishing and sometimes they're called well-being reports and and there's all these different nations and, and some of them are more at the top and some are more at the bottom. But But these researchers have if you take all the research, there's there's some commonality when it comes to well-being, living a good quality of life, a flourishing life, and and some of the things that have that flourishing has in common right across the board in all this the research and study. There's, there's four things. One is positive emotion, so you're experiencing emotions like joy, peace gratitude. These are common traits of flourishing. The opposite would be to just be someone who's just constantly experiencing negativity, despair, fear, all those kinds of things. That's not flourishing. Hopelessness is not a part of flourishing positive emotion. The other thing that they found is engagement. So where you are engaged in life, where your life is just you're tuned in. There's a flow to your life. You're engaged with what it means to be a dad or a mom. You're engaged with your workplace. You're just not showing up and punching a clock, but you are engaged. You're there. You're present. Engaged with your church. You're, you're just engaged in your community. That's a, a, an indicator of flourishing. Third thing is relationship with others. So one of the oldest studies going on, I think, in the world... But it's a study that's being done by. It's it's still going on. It started in 1938. It's being done out of Harvard, and in this study, the the whole point of the study was was to discover what the good life is, and uh, it's been going on so long that they've they've had turnover of people and and turnover of directors, people leading the study, but they're trying to get to the bottom of what brings longevity, what brings happiness. They studied people from all different socioeconomic backgrounds all different walks of life. They've looked at medical records, they've had conversations with children and spouses. It's a very, very, very in-depth study. Well, the man who's currently the head of the research team, um, he recently did a TED talk, and in it, he said that the clearest message from the thousands and thousands of pages of data that they have, the clearest message from the data is that good relationships Keep us healthier and happier. Furthermore, they found that it's the quality of the relationships that matters. So if you're, if you're in a marriage and you're, you and your spouse are just constantly fighting and bickering and it's just full of negativity and anger and, and, and all this kind of stuff, that's actually worse for, 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 for flourishing. But when you have quality relationships, that, that's what it means. Part of what it means to flourish. And then the fourth thing is... Uh, So positive emotion, engagement, relationship with others. And the fourth thing is meaning or purpose. Meaning or purpose. Belonging and contributing to something bigger than yourself. When you're finding fulfillment, you you, you know that you're making a difference in the world around you. You're making a difference in the lives of other people. When like uh, author Frederick Buechner, he says it's when you're at that place where your deep happiness meets the, the, the world's deep hunger, when those two things collide, you've got meaning and purpose that's that's flourishing. If you've ever been um, on an extended tropical vacation or an extended vacation of, of any type, you know that around day nine or ten, something happens. Things start to get boring and dull and you're going, there's got to be more than this. You get restless. You get anxious. Um, it's because... We were designed to have meaning and purpose. Retirement, by the way, where you do nothing, is a bad goal to have in life. It's a bad goal. Because if you have no meaning, you'll get bored. You'll get miserable. You'll eventually become completely self-absorbed. And we've all been around retirees like that. And it is not fun. It's not fun. You need to have meaning and purpose of some kind. You need to be accomplishing something with your life. Besides simply being able to say that you watched eight hours of TV and played around in golf, meaning and purpose are all part of what it means to, to flourish. And when you begin to put together a life that has joy and gratitude, a life that's engaging for you, where you have quality relationships and you're living with purpose and meaning, when you put all that together, you have a life that's flourishing. And I wonder this morning, how does your life Measure up to that description of a flourishing life, and if you feel like this isn't your life, you would not be alone. And and when you step back and you look at the the let's just take the 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 church landscape, the Christian landscape um, of those who who claim to be born again Christians, there is not a lot of flourishing. Um. People don't know quality relationships. There's just as much isolation as the world. Negative emotions like fear, anxiety, all this kind of stuff. Greed, just as strong. And why is that? Well, the answer is found in the second thing that I observed this last week. First thing was that we all designed, created to flourish. But the second thing is this. Flourishing only happens when the conditions are right. Flourishing only happens when the conditions are right. For example... If you want to have a flourishing garden, you need to have what? You need to have nutrient-rich soil. You need to have lots of sunshine. You need to have some water, a few weeds. The conditions have to be right if you're going to have a flourishing garden. If you want to have a flourishing marriage, you don't need to go to some expensive California marriage retreat to have a flourishing marriage. But you do need to be praying together, listening to one another, having fun dates together, staring deeply into each other's eyes occasionally, forgiving one another. You got to be doing all this kind of stuff. The conditions have to be right if you're going to have a flourishing marriage. If you want to have a flourishing business, what do you have to do to be to have a flourishing business? We've all seen businesses that are flourishing and businesses that are withering. A flourishing business, it's people are being paid well, um, they're being appreciated, they're being encouraged, there's vision, there's direction, there's, there's a sense of team. The conditions have to be right. And if you want to flourish in life, to live a life filled with joy and peace, loving connection, meaning, engagement, here's the primary condition that needs to be met. You ready for this? The primary condition that needs to be met is you need to be connected to Jesus. You need to be connected to Jesus. That is the primary condition. Why? Because he is the only one who has lived a life of perfect joy, perfect peace, perfect connection, perfect engagement, perfectly satisfying his purpose and his meaning in life. You have to stay connected to Jesus. And to flourish in life is to flourish in your relationship with Jesus. Jesus. To languish in your relationship with Jesus is to languish and wither in life. Wither in your relationship with Jesus, and you will wither in life. But flourish in your connection to Jesus, and you will flourish in life. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Jesus says. John 15, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more flourishing. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. And then here's the key. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. They're that flourishing garden that's green and fruit everywhere. For apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and does what? Withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. Did you catch what happens when you remain in Jesus? You go from somebody who isn't flourishing to somebody who is flourishing. You are changed, like we've talked about a lot over the past several weeks. You are changed. You bear fruit. You have more of the character of of God, of Christ in your life. It begins to emerge on the branches of your life. Fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It begins to grow in your life. You begin to experience meaning and purpose and engagement and connection when you are connected to Jesus. But when you don't remain in Jesus, the opposite happens. You wither. You wither and some of you listening today if you if you were to honestly assess your life you would have to conclude that you're withering joy this thing that jesus said he came to give us to the full you you would go no i'm hardly ever experiencing joy it's it's mostly if i'm honest it's it maybe comes in in brief moments thankfulness no not me it's I'm just always thinking about what I want and what I don't have. And it's just a constant stream of complaining and, and, and negativity that, that comes out of my life. Engagement? No, you pulled out a long time ago. You're just surviving in your marriage. The kids just get a dad or mom who isn't present. Your church gets somebody who just simply consumes and doesn't enter in. You're just not, you're not engaged. And then if you look at relationships, maybe you go, no, people are just too much work. People are just too hard. So you just, you've shut the doors on your heart, and you're just keeping your spouse, you're keeping your kids, you're keeping your friends, you're keeping your coworkers, you're keeping your church, you're just keeping them at a safe distance. Meaning, you've completely forgotten what it is you were called to. It seems like life has maybe just become simply about making money, getting a paycheck, helping the kids get to the place where they can get a job and get a paycheck so that they can help their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids make money and have a job and a house and all that kind of stuff. You're withering. And the fruit of a withering life is, is not good. There's a chapter in the Bible that we'll probably come back to a little bit in this series, but it's, it, it's a chapter in the Bible that goes to great lengths to juxtapose a withering life up against a flourishing life. And the fruit of a withering life up against the fruit of, of a flourishing life. And I'd like to read a chunk of this, and I want to read it out of the message um, paraphrase this morning, because I think for, for me, it's Galatians 5, and you've, you've made it, if you've been around the church, you've heard this maybe enough times that it's just become white noise to you. But I love how Eugene Peterson, he paraphrased this, and he brought this passage to life in a way that I think really kind of hits our, our modern ears. And as I read it, I want you... To let the Holy Spirit reveal to you whether your life is one of of flourishing or withering. It says this. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. So basically going, I'm going to live my life my way and and not God's way. I'm not going to stay connected to Jesus and His way. I'm just going to live life my way. And and Scripture says it's, it's clear what kind of life develops out of just doing it your way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you. You know, if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Not a very attractive picture, is it? No. It's a picture of a life that's withering. But what happens when we live life God's way. There's an alternative here. The scripture says, He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction of that basic holiness, or a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things in people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. It's a nice take on the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? And if you're living the withering life today, if you're living the withering life today, here's the good news for all of us this morning. Jesus wants to change you. Jesus wants to bring transformation to your life. He wants to take you from this withering life to a life that is flourishing. In fact, his word promises that he will change us. It says, in the Lord, 2 Corinthians 3.18, who is the spirit, he makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. He wants you to go from withering to flourish Flourishing, which is to say he wants you to become like that tree that is planted by streams of water, bearing much fruit. You're flourishing. And not just for your own sake, but for the sake of the world around you. And and so then then the question is, well, how does he cause us to flourish? How does does he change us? How does, if, if the conditions have to be right for us to flourish, what are those conditions that we need to find ourselves just... Making habits in in our lives. Well, he causes us to flourish. I mean, he does this through a a combination of his work and our work. On the last couple of weeks, um, some of us in our church have been going through a devotional called Knowing and Enjoying God. It's written by this guy named Tim Chelles. And in this devotional, he described God's work and our work when it comes to flourishing like this He said, God by his Spirit initiates and sustains that work, but we are called to respond to it and cooperate with it. Any relationship depends upon each person pursuing the other. And what's true of our friendships with other human beings is equally true of our friendship with this divine being. While God genuinely pursues us, this is so key, we must also pursue Him. Even as he begins the relationship, we must foster it. Even as he reaches out towards us, we must reach towards him. It's this this mutual pursuing. God pursues us, and we pursue him. It's the same with any relationship. Becky could pursue me all day long. You know, she's at work. She texts me, "I, I love yous, and some smiley faces, and some kissy emojis, and all that kind of fun stuff. She, she could make me an amazing dinner try to strike up conversation make time to hang out with me she could Just tell me over and over again about how much she loves me and respects me she could just get herself all prettied up and, and just like and just, just go after me pursue me but if I'm not pursuing her if I'm just zoning out on my phone or on my TV which by the way never happens never happens if I'm just, if I'm not pursuing her back, if I'm not reciprocating her pursuing me, we are not going to have a flourishing relationship. We're never going to be connected. But as I pursue her and as she pursues me, it causes the connection and the friendship to grow. And, and, and one of the things that we just learned this last week, it, it wasn't actually learning. It honestly was more reminding because you couples in the room that have been married for longer than two weeks, <laughs> you know that you can forget about the importance of pursuing one another and dating one another. And, and this last week was really all about us just being reminded about the simple things in life that, that, that matter to a flourishing relationship. Something as simple as having fun together on a date you got to do that stuff if you want to flourish. They had us do this one thing that was, there's was a lot of, they actually started off the week by saying, okay, we want you to know, this isn't going to be like a big circle where we just all get together and cry all week long. It's not going to be that kind of thing. Um, it's going to be adventure and all this kind of stuff and and having fun together. And, and it, it, They had all these interesting, lots of research that they had done. Something very interesting that they said was that, couples who are struggling. What's the first thing that a couple does when they're struggling? They will sign up for marriage counseling. Did you know that marriage, typical marriage counseling, this isn't a bash on marriage counseling, but typical marriage counseling has a 10% success rate. And so these guys that that led this retreat, they, they have developed this whole thing called marriage adventures where couples get together. But we were reminded of of just the importance of simple things like having a fun day together and staring into each other's eyes and just like appreciating one another and all these kinds of things. But when you have the, when you, we have to be pursuing one another if we want to have a flourishing relationship. And it's the same thing in your relationship with Jesus. If you want to have a flourishing relationship with Jesus, which translates into a life that's flourishing, you have to be pursuing Him. You have to. You have to pursue Him. And, and it's amazing how, you know, our, our relationship with God, he, He's the one that began the relationship by pursuing us. Don't ever think that you were the one who was smart enough to just magically figure out that He's the way, the truth, and the life. No, He pursued you and me. And the amazing thing about it that we're, we're going to be, minds blown for all of eternity, is that He pursued us while we were still His enemies. He came after us. Romans 5.8, he gave his life on the cross for you and me while we were still enemies. And, and what do we do? Well, we, when he pursues us that, that first time, we, we come to a place where we surrender to him. We put our faith and trust in him, and he just, he changes us and transforms us, new creation, all that kind of stuff. But, but get this, that moment where you first put your faith and trust in Jesus is just the beginning of your friendship with God so often in the church we think that it's all about i'm in a service and preacher asks me to put my hand up if i want to follow jesus i put my hand up i pray a prayer and that's it now i just i i try to show up to church each each week and i try to do all the stuff that the, the pastor's telling me that i need to be doing if that's what you think being a follower of jesus is you're missing it being a follower of jesus is about pursuing him it's it's going after him he's constantly pursuing you but it's you pursuing him as well and i encourage you to ask yourself the question am i pursuing jesus or am i just doing the church thing showing up to a meeting now and then maybe hoping to serve here and there all that stuff's good and it's part of pursuing jesus but that's not all it is at the center of this this faith journey this christianity thing is a relationship between you and jesus and he is pursuing you the only question is are you pursuing him as well are you pursuing him? Which, which leads to the question, well, if pursuing him, if, it, if that's how I foster a relationship with him, where he changes me from being withering to being someone who's flourishing, what, how do I foster a relationship with God? How do I pursue him? You know, Rich, you talked about how you pursue Becky. How you, that's pretty clear. You go on dates. You, you, you do stuff together, and you look all googly-eyed into each other's eyes and, and stuff like that. How do I pursue God? How do I pursue relationship with him? Here's how. And we will spend the entire summer unpacking this. You pursue God and foster a relationship with him through spiritual practices. They are how you remain in and stay connected to him. And there are a lot of spiritual practices um, maybe over the years, you've been around the church, and you've actually, maybe you've heard the, the phrase spiritual disciplines. I actually like the, the phrase spiritual practices better. Both of them, I think, work. But spiritual disciplines, I think it, it turns into, it's got a lot of negative connotations. It's just something you got to, you try, and it's all on you, and all this kind of stuff. Whereas spiritual practices is more about you developing habits. And there's a lot of spiritual practices. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at, at just six of them. And some of, the, some of them are, are common practices that you've heard all about. Things like uh, prayer and reading your Bible. But we're going to look at some that we don't often talk about. That are, that are just as important. Next week we're going to look at celebration. How do we make celebration a, a, a practice that helps us get closer to Jesus and closer to others? We're going to look at solitude and rest and confession. And, and look at how we can make these spiritual practices... Not things we do out of a sense of duty, but things that we do because we want to connect with and pursue Jesus. But as we wrap up this morning, I just want to say four things about spiritual practices. Maybe some, some in the room are going, oh yeah, awesome, spiritual practices. I just love learning about this stuff. But maybe the rest of you just feel like the wind has been taken out of your sails. Because you just think, oh, that's not for me or oh, I've tried and it just it doesn't ever go anywhere. Let me just say four things about spiritual practices as we wrap up. Number one is this. Spiritual practices are for everyone. They're for everybody. And if you think they are only for the spiritually mature, you know, you think in your head like, oh, that stuff Richie talked about solitude. That sounds like something that, that monks and that kind of stuff do. Um, prayer. No, that's, that's, for, that's for my grandma. She's got this direct line of Jesus. I just, I just can't ever be that, that person. If you think that spiritual practices are only for spiritual giants, you will be robbing yourself of a flourishing life. You will be robbing yourself of a spiritual of a flourishing life. The spiritual practices are for everybody. Number 2 is this. Everyone has enough time to do the spiritual practices. So many people don't stay connected to Jesus, they don't pursue him because they just think they don't have enough time. You don't have enough time I would say not to stay connected to Jesus. It's a fact of life that you and I are gonna make time for what we value. It would never fly with Becky if I just say, you know what? I love you, but I just don't have time to pursue you. It would never fly. She'd go, What do I not matter to you? What's what's the deal here? We all are going to make time for that which we value. And saying that you don't have time to read your Bible, to celebrate life, to rest, to pray, is just another way, if we're having an honest moment this morning, of saying those things don't really matter to me. We all have time. We have enough time to do the spiritual practices. Number three is this. Doing the spiritual practices is possible for every single type of person. So over the years, I've heard all the the different reasons that people give for not doing the spiritual practices. One of the big ones is I just don't have the right personality for that. I don't have a, a, a contemplative personality. I'm just, I just, I just don't do that kind of stuff. Well, it doesn't matter who you are. Um... There are, there are ways that, that you can connect with God, um, these spiritual practices, and maybe they just look different for the extrovert than they do for the introvert. But you can still connect with Jesus. So, so for me, I, I, I'm an introvert. Big, I'm a raging introvert. You might not know that. You think, oh, you're on stage talking to a bunch of people? No, I'm an introvert. And I, but when it comes to me praying and seeking Jesus, one of the ways I love to do that is just to get away. I've got um, a couple places around here where I just, I'll go and I'll just walk by myself. And I love it. And I connect with Jesus. I don't think Becky will ever be that person who just walks for hours and hours and, no, because she's wired differently. Does that mean that she doesn't seek Jesus in prayer? No, what it means is that usually she'll do it alongside of other people. And when she does that, it's It's this connection in a way that's just different than how I connect. But you, spiritual practices are for everybody. They're for everybody. And the last thing is this, spiritual practices aren't the end. They are a means to an end. They aren't the end. The goal of this series that we're going to be doing this summer is not to get you reading your Bible for an hour every day and to get you praying for three hours every day and to get you confessing all your stuff to every single day, and it, 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 that's that's not that is not the goal. Spiritual practices are a means to an end, and what is that end? Well, they cultivate a flourishing life, one where you are connected to Jesus. He's pursuing you; you're pursuing him, and it results in this flourishing life. That's like a healthy growing garden. I love what author Richard Foster says. He wrote one of the the key books over the last century on the spiritual practices. And he says this, the, the, he, he calls them disciplines. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. So when we pray, it's us placing ourselves before God so that he can transform us. When we celebrate, like God wired us and designed us to, to, to do and be, it's like we place ourselves before God so he can transform us when we crack open our Bible, when we get into a place of just being alone with Him, when we when we confess our sins to one another, we are putting ourselves before God in a place where He can transform us. As we wrap up, how are you doing in life? Are you that garden that is withering? Or are you, are you flourishing? Recently, uh, Becky and I had to do some by our measure, some pretty serious landscaping. We don't do a lot of landscaping. Um, we actually live in a place that's got an HOA and, and they take care of all that stuff. So we hardly ever have to do anything. If you drive by my house and you go, man, Rich is just on top of that lawn. He's on top of like trimming the hedges. It's not me. <laughs> but recently, um, we, had, we had three of the, our main shrubs that are in front of, we have this like front garden area if you've ever been to our house. Got a little path that comes up and we have all these Pretty shrubs over here, and all these pretty, pretty shrubs over here. We got some lavender and some mock orange, and some, some just these beautiful plants. Well, last year they just three of the main shrubs died, and so winter comes in this year, and then spring's coming, and I noticed that that three of these shrubs are staying brown. So I'm like, oh, maybe they just maybe they just blossom a little bit later than everything else. I just forgot. So I'm, I'm watching, watching, watching. They're just, everything else is turning green, and it's, it becomes pretty clear pretty fast that they are, in fact, dead. Not flourishing. They're dead. And so, um, so we did some, we pulled, them, pulled, pulled these, these shrubs up, and as we were, after we got them all pulled up, we were looking around, and, and it just did not look very good. Um, there was lots of dirt. There was some big gaps. You know, it kind of was all put together really nice, and so you can imagine, like, if you got all this, like, nicely designed landscaping and there's a big shrub taken out. It's, there's like gaps. It just does, does not look good. And so looking at it, I was a little bit overwhelmed by a couple of things. One, I was overwhelmed that there was still a lot of work to be done. I didn't realize that digging holes was so much work. But it takes a lot of work to dig a hole like this deep in the ground. and <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> um, at least for me. Um, but I was also overwhelmed because I was realizing as I was standing there how this garden in front of our house had been growing for 15 years. The house was built back in 2007 and it had kind of grown into this nice little garden put together. And I was looking at it going, this is just going to take a long time. And, and, you know, I just wanted to like flick my fingers and have it be this pff, nice big instantly flourishing full landscape. But gardens don't work that way, do they? Typically, the road to a flourishing garden, it starts with the ground being plowed up and rocks being taken out. And then with a a small seed being planted in the garden. um, Thanks to Kent's garden nursery, you got to skip the seed stage. um, And go right to the small plant stage. But still, the road to a flourishing garden starts with, with, with making some small changes. It doesn't just happen overnight. It starts with some small changes. But as you keep at it, as you keep watering, weeding, fertilizing doing all that stuff, one day you look out and you have a garden that hopefully is flourishing. And I get, as we wrap up, I got one question to ask. And I would ask that as you ponder the answer to this question, that you would let the Holy Spirit, who's here, who is wanting to see you flourishing, if you could just make this a moment between you and the Holy Spirit, what's a small change that you can make today to get on the road to living a flourishing life what is a small change that you can make today to get on the road to a flourishing life maybe you're going oh, I want to have a flourishing life but man, my life is just so broken it's just so it's, it's, it is, it's just withering here and withering there and, and, uh, and it's just overwhelming just take the pressure off take the load off This morning. And ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit, what is one small change that I can make today to get on the road to living a flourishing life? Heavenly Father, I just want to invite you into this moment that we're having as a church today. Lord, first off, I thank you that you, that we aren't the gardeners in this deal called life, but God, according to John 15, you are. And you're, you are, we're not the ones who have to create life and flourishing. Lord, you, you do all that. We, we just do our small part of putting ourselves in a place to, to have you work in and through us. And so, Father, I would pray and ask today that, that Lord, Um, You would speak to us. Lord, you would help us know and see what it is, that the one small change that we can make, God, to the, the garden of our lives, our souls, to get to the place of flourishing. God, maybe for somebody here, it's just gonna be simply having a moment with you right here, right now, of confession and saying, I haven't had any desire to pursue you, Jesus. But I'm asking that you would come and put that desire in me change that in me. Lord, maybe for somebody else it's going to be a fresh commitment to putting themselves in a position to, to have you do that change and work in their lives. Maybe it's just going to be a commitment to come back to church next week and, and hear about the, the spiritual practice of celebration and what that looks like in our lives. But Lord, I pray, show us, or what, what is one thing God, that one, one small change that we can make in, in our lives to get on the road to a flourishing life. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you promise that, God, as we remain in you, God, as you remain in us, that, Jesus, our lives will be lives that produce lots of fruit. And, God, I just want to thank you that today is the start of a new day. God, for somebody who's, who's, who's here in this building, somebody listening online, God, today is the start of a new day where, where Jesus, you are You're you're leading them on the the path to a flourishing life. God, just the fact that they're listening to this, God, is evidence that, God, you are working in their life. You are that gardener that's going to work on their soul. And God, I pray that, 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 God, we would find great hope in that today. And God, may we walk out of here being just people of faith, ready to have you come and and work and move in our lives. God, may our lives be flourishing. God, may we know, God, what it's like to to have the fruit of the Spirit in abundance in our lives. May we know what it's like, God, to be people of of purpose and meaning. God, people that are engaged. God, people that are just full of joy and gratitude and worship. God, get us into a place where that's, that's reflective of our lives. I pray this in your name, Jesus, amen, amen. I hope that you've been comforted and challenged and convicted this morning. Um, I'm excited to see what this summer is going to look like. It's going to be good, and God is at work in your life. He's at work in my life, and uh, just just have this, this posture before God. God, come and do what you want in and through me um, we're going to wrap up our time together by singing a song and giving you a chance to give back to God your tithes and offering and so I'm going to invite you to stand with us and sing this last song in closing as the bucket goes down your road. God bless